Chapter Four of Thy Soul Shall Bear Witness by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Chapter Four: A Call from the Past. It was a narrow and lofty, but fairly capacious room in a suburban house, a house so small that it was completely taken up by this room and a smaller one, which served for a bedroom. The room was lighted by a lamp suspended from the ceiling, and by its gleam one could see that it was cosy and comfortable. Not only that it was a cheerful room, which provoked a pleasant smile on the lips of the visitor. You could see at once that those who dwelt there had amused themselves by furnishing it in such a way as to give the impression of its being a whole flat. The entrance to it was in a side-wall, and hard by the door stood a small stove. Here also was the kitchen, and in it was gathered together all that pertained to cooking. The middle of the room was furnished as a living-room, with a round dining-table, a couple of oak chairs, a tall grandfather's clock, and a little cupboard for china and glass. Here, of course, was the lamp suspended from the ceiling right over the round table, which sufficed to illuminate the antechamber, the innermost portion of the room, with its mahogany sofa and drawing-room table, its flowery axminster rug, its palm-tree in a tasteful china pot, and the innumerable photographs. What joke such an arrangement of the furniture must have occasioned! If a good friend called, the fun would be to take him into the antechamber, and then apologize for his being left to sit by himself, whilst his hostess was obliged to shut herself up in the kitchen. At the dinner-table, which stood so close to the cooking department, that you could feel the warmth of the stove, you may have said many a time, with great pomposity, Now you may ring for the housemaid to take away the plates and if one of the children began to cry in the kitchen, you might pretend to laugh at the joke that it should be careful not to shriek so loud, or Papa, who was sitting in the inner room, might hear it. Thoughts aching to these usually sprang to the minds of people who saw the room, but to those who entered it on New Year's Eve, shortly after midnight, most assuredly no such light and flippant fancies occurred. Those who then entered it were two men, both so down at heel and ragged, that they might have been taken for common tramps, if one of them had not been wearing a black robe over his rags, and holding in his hand a rusty sight. It was an unusual get-up for a vagabond, and stranger still was his way of entering the room, without turning a key or opening a door ever so little but merely walking through it, although it was closed. The second man was not wearing any alarming symbol, but when he came into the room, not walking, but in some queer fashion, hauled and dragged in by his companion, he seemed a much more frightful object than the latter. Although he was bound hands and feet, and was with the uttermost contempt flung down on the floor by his companion, 
lying like a dark heap of rags and wretchedness he inspired dread through the frantic wrath that flamed from his eyes and distorted his countenance the two men did not find the room empty when they entered they saw at the round table in the living-room part a young man with weak features and a pretty babyish look about the eyes sitting with a somewhat older but small and delicate woman the man was wearing a jacket on which in striking big letters across his chest was embroidered the words salvation army the woman was clad in black without any symbol except a bonnet of the usual type affected by slum sisters which lay in front of her on the table and testified to her connection with the salvationists both these people were extremely distressed the woman sat silently weeping again and again drying her eyes with a moist and crumpled handkerchief she did this impatiently as if the tears embarrassed her by preventing her attending to something else that she ought to do the man's eyes were also red with weeping but in the presence of another he refrained from giving full vent to his grief now and again they spoke a few words to each other and it was evident that their thoughts were in another room with a sick person whom they had quitted for a moment so that her mother might be alone with her they were however so engrossed with the invalid that neither of them appeared to take the least notice of the strangers the latter certainly kept quiet silent and still the one standing erect leaning against the doorpost the other lying nerve-wracked at his feet but the couple at the table ought apparently to have been amazed at these guests who had entered through closed doors and in the dead of night at any rate the man who was on the floor felt astounded that these people should turn their eyes from time to time in his and his companion's direction without seeming to be aware of their presence he for his part could see everything and when he had passed through the town he had noticed that everything seemed just like he had seen it with his human eyes yet no one appeared able to see him in his frenzy the man had nursed the thought of trying to scare his enemies by revealing himself to them in his present state but he was forced to admit that he could not render himself visible to them never before had he been in this room but he recognized both the people sitting at the table and for that reason he had not the slightest doubt of his whereabouts if anything could increase his rage it was at being carried against his will to a place which he had all the previous day refused to enter suddenly the salvationist at the table pushed his chair back it is past midnight now he said his wife thought that he would be back home by that time i shall go there and ask him to come saying this he rose slowly and reluctantly from his chair and took up his coat which was hanging at the back of his chair to put it on i understand quite well gustavsson that you don't care for the job of going after him replied the woman struggling hard against 
the insistent weeping which threatened to stifle her voice but you must bear in mind that it is the last favour sister edith asks of you the salvationist paused just as he was putting his arm into his coat sleeve sister mary he said it may be true that this is the last service i can render sister edith but i hope that david holm will not be at home or if at home that he will refuse to come with me i have sought him several times to-day and begged him to come as you and captain anderson told me to do but i was glad all the time that he said no and that neither i nor any one else succeeded in bringing him here the prostrate figure started when he heard his name mentioned and an ugly sneer spread over his face that fellow seems to have a trifle more sense than the others he mumbled the slum sister looked at the salvationist and spoke sharply without her voice being choked with weeping gustavsson you had best this time convey the message in such a way that david holm will be made to understand that he must come here the salvationist walked to the door with the air of a man who obeyed without conviction shall i bring him here even if he's as drunk as drunk can be he asked from the door bring him here gustafsson alive or dead i had almost said at the worst he can be here and sleep off his debauch the only important thing is for us to get hold of him the salvationist had laid his hand on the door handle when suddenly he turned and walked back to the table i don't like a fellow like david holm coming here he protested and his face turned white with emotion sister mary you know quite as well as i what sort of fellow he is do you think sister that he is fit to be here don't you think that he is far too foul to go in there he continued pointing to a door half concealed in the anteroom part do i think she began but he did not let her finish what she had to say don't you realize sister mary that he may come only to jeer at us he will brag that one of the slum sisters was so fond of him that she could not die without getting a sight of him the sister looked up suddenly and shaped her lips for a hasty retort but she bit them together again and reflected i can't bear the his gossiping about her least of all when she's dead exclaimed the salvationist directly afterwards came the sister's answer solemn and emphatic gustavsson are you certain that david holm would be far wrong if he said that the figure that lay imprisoned on the floor started and was penetrated by a sudden feeling of joy he was utterly astounded and glanced up to george to see if he had noticed his emotion the driver however stood motionless but david holm by way of precaution muttered something about it being a pity that he had not discovered that interesting fact while he was alive it would have been something to brag about to his boon companions the salvationist was so perturbed by what he had heard that he clutched hold of the arm of a chair the walls of the room were dancing round him 
why do you speak in that way sister mary he asked you don't want me to believe the sister was a prey to a strong emotion she clenched her hand tightly round her handkerchief while she uttered words which gushed forth in a wild torrent as if she were in a hurry to get them said before hesitation came to stop her whom else should she hold dear we too gustafsson and all the rest who have learned to know her have allowed ourselves to be converted and conquered by her we have resisted her in nothing even up to the last we have never mocked or sneered at her she has no right to suffer either anguish or remorse for our sake neither you nor i gustafsson is responsible for her lying where she now lies the salvationist seemed calmed by this outburst i did not realize that you were speaking of love for sinners sister nor do i gustafsson at this confident assurance one of the spectres was again throttled by a feeling of joy which he could not express but afraid lest his anger his frantic desire to rebel should in some way be dispelled he tried to choke it down at once he had been taken by surprise for up to now he had imagined that nothing but sermonizing was in store for him in future he intended to take better heed of himself sister mary sat down and bit her lips to overcome her emotion she was about to make a sudden plunge it does not matter my speaking to you of that gustafsson she began for nothing matters now that she is about to die if you will sit down for a minute i will explain what i mean the salvationist wriggled out of his coat and resumed his seat at the table without uttering a word he sat looking expectantly at the sister with his fine honest eyes first of all gustafsson i will tell you how we kept last new year's eve sister edith and i she continued it had been arranged at headquarters in the previous autumn that a slum refuge should be established in this town and we too were sent to start it we had a fearful lot of work but the brothers and sisters had done their utmost to help us and by new year's eve we had got so far as to be able to move in the kitchen and dormitories were already in order and we had hoped that we should open the refuge on new year's day itself but that did not come off because the sterilizing oven and the wash house were not ready at first the sister found it hard to keep from crying but as the story proceeded and she was carried away from the present her voice became more distinct in those days you did not belong to the army if you had you would have spent with us a very happy new year's eve some of the brothers and sisters paid us a visit and we invited them to tea for the first time in the new home you cannot imagine how happy sister edith was at having established a refuge here where she was at home and knew every poor person and understood what they needed she walked about looking at our coverlets and mattresses our freshly painted walls our bright pots and pans with such joy that we could not help laughing at her 
she was as merry as a grig as the saying goes and when sister edith is merry then all the rest are merry hallelujah that i know cried the salvationist the merriment lasted as long as our friends stayed the sister went on but after they had gone a deep anguish overcame her at all evil that exists in the world and she said that i was to pray with her that it might not prevail against us so we went on our knees and prayed for our refuge for ourselves and for all those whom we hoped to succour just as we were kneeling in prayer there came a ring at the front door bell our friends had been gone but a very short time so we said to each other that one of them had perhaps forgotten something and wanted to fetch it but by way of precaution we both went down to the street door when we opened it we saw none of our friends but one of those for whom the refuge had been founded there he stood in the doorway big and ragged but so drunk that he stumbled he looked to me so awful that i was seized with terror and thought that we ought to make the excuse that the refuge was not yet opened and declined to receive him but sister edith was glad that god had sent her a guest she thought that he wished by that to show us that he was looking favourably on our work so she admitted the fellow she offered him some supper but he swore at her and said that he only wanted to lie down he went into a dormitory and after flinging off his coat threw himself down on a camp bed and in another minute he was asleep fancy you being frightened of me laughed david holm to himself but not without some hope that the motionless figure behind him would hear that he was still the same david holm as before it's a pity you cannot see me just as i am now then methinks i should frighten the life out of you sister edith wanted to show some exceptional kindness to the first person who came to our refuge the woman went on and i noticed that she felt disappointed when he went so promptly to sleep but next moment she brightened up again for she had just caught sight of his coat gustavson i don't think that i've ever seen a garment so dirty so ragged and in such sorry plight as that was it reeked so of filth and schnapps gustavson that it was hard to go near it when i saw sister edith start to mend it i could not help a dread coming over me i told her to let it alone as we had no oven or wash-house ready to disinfect it you understand gustavson that this man was to sister edith from the very first as a gift from god and it was such a delightful task for her to mend one of his garments for him that i could not prevent her nor did i help her either no i had said to myself you know that there might be infection in that coat it could not be right for me to touch such filth she took the responsibility on herself because i was her subordinate and she saw that i did not undertake anything injurious to health 
but she set herself to sew and mend that coat the whole of new year's eve the salvationist on the other side of the table lifted up his hands and pressed them in ecstasy one against the other hallelujah he cried thanks be to god and praise for sister edith amen amen replied the sister beaming in a sudden ecstasy thanks be to god and praise for sister edith that is what we should always say in sorrow as in joy thanks be to god and praise that she was what she was to sit up all night bending over that horrible coat sewing at it as proudly and happily as if it had been a royal mantle he who had been david holm felt a curious sense of rest and repose picturing to himself the young girl as she sat in the calm of night mending a poor vagabond's coat after all that had been irritating and exciting him there was something soothing and healing in this if only old george had not been standing glum and motionless behind him watching every movement of his he would have liked to dwell long on his thought thanks to god and praise continued the woman that sister edith has never regretted that she sat up all night sewing on buttons and patching up holes until four in the morning without thinking of all the infection and stench she was inhaling thanks to god and praise that she never regretted sitting in a room so penetrated by the bitter chill of that winter's night that it became like an ice-house before she went to bed amen amen replied the salvationist she was quite frozen with cold when at last she was ready remarked the sister i heard how she lay and tossed and turned in her bed for many weary hours without being able to get warm she had hardly dozed off when it was time to get up again but i coaxed her into staying in bed and letting me look after the guest in case he should get up before she had had her sleep out sister mary you have always been a good friend to her replied the salvationist i know that it was a great privation for sister edith she continued with the ghost of a smile but she did it to please me it was not long she lay in bed for when the man had drunk his coffee he asked me if it was i who had mended his coat when i told him that it was not he asked me to fetch the sister who had helped him he was sober then and quiet and chose his words better than many of his stamp usually do and as i knew that it would be a great joy to sister edith to hear him express his thanks i went to fetch her when she came she had not the look of one who had been awake all night for she had a bright flush on her cheeks and was so pretty in her joyful anticipation that the man was to a certain extent struck with admiration on seeing her he had taken his stand by the door and was waiting with such a baleful expression on his face that i was afraid he meant to strike her there's no danger thought i he won't do anything to her 
nobody could have the heart to hurt her hallelujah hallelujah chimed in the salvationist but the fellow's face clouded again and when she came up to him he tore so violently at the pilot coat he was wearing that the buttons that had just been sewn on were lugged out after that he drove his hands so fiercely into his newly mended pockets that we heard the cotton burst and last of all he split up the lining of his coat till it hung in sorrier rags than when he had first come you see miss i'm used to having it in that state the fellow jeered it seems easier and most suitable for me it was a pity sister edith that you should have given yourself so much trouble but i can't help it the spectre which lay on the floor saw before him a face beaming with happiness which was suddenly clouded he almost acknowledged to himself that that silly monkey trick of his had been cruel and ungrateful when the thought of george again obtruded itself it is just as well that george should hear what sort of fellow i am unless he knows it already he decided david holm is not the man to throw up the sponge at the outset he is hard and wicked and has a way of getting irritated by silly people i had not before that moment given a thought as to how the fellow looked continued the sister but when he stood there and deliberately tore up what sister edith had soon together with so many beautiful thoughts i looked closely at him and noticed that he was so tall and finely built that one could not help admiring such a handiwork of nature he had too a good and easy carriage his head was big and of the best shape his countenance at one time must have been handsome though then it was so blotched and swollen that the features were indistinguishable and one could not form an opinion as to how they may have looked at the beginning though he acted as he did and moreover gave a loud and wicked laugh though his eyes shone yellow and ferocious yet i think that sister edith only thought that she had met some special object for her charity a human wreck far on the road to ruin i noticed that at first she shrank back as if she had been struck but after that a bright light illuminated her eyes and she took a step nearer to the man the only thing she said was that before he went she wished to invite him to come to her refuge next new year's eve and as he stood gazing at her in utter astonishment she added you see i pray to god to-night to grant to the first guest at this refuge a happy new year so i want to see you again to find out if he has granted my prayer as soon as he understood what she meant the fellow broke out into oaths yes that i promise you he jeered i will come again and show you that he has not cared a rap for you and your namby-pamby nonsense the man who was thus reminded of a promise that he had made and quite forgotten but had now against his will come to fulfil felt for a moment like a weak reed in a strong man's hand 
and wondered if his rebellion had any meaning but he stifled the thought he would not submit he would fight until doomsday if it was to be so the salvationist grew more and more excited while sister mary related this meeting on new year's morning he could not keep quiet any longer but jumped up you have not told me the name of that brutal tramp sister mary but i understand that it was david holm sister mary nodded assent my god my god sister mary he cried outstretching both his hands why will you insist on my fetching him here have you noticed any improvement in him since that morning it seems as if you would have him here so that she should see that her prayer to god had been made in vain why do you want to inflict such distress on her the sister looked at him impatiently almost angrily i have not finished but the salvationist interrupted her we must take heed sister mary of the snare set by a lust for revenge there is in me a being of sinful nature who would like to summon david holm here this very night to show him the pure woman who is dying and tell him plainly that it is he alone who is responsible for her leaving us i take it sister mary that it is your intention to tell david holm that while sister edith was carrying out the work which he in his ingratitude tore up she caught a deadly infection i have heard you say that she has never enjoyed a day's sound health since last new year's eve we must take heed sister we who have lived with sister edith and still have her in our sight not to yield to the hardness of our hearts the woman bent over the table and spoke without looking up just as if she had fitted her words to the figures on the tablecloth revenge she said is it revenge to let a person understand that once he possessed something most glorious but that he has lost it or if i put a rusty iron on the fire to make it fresh and bright is that revenge i knew that it was so sister mary replied the salvationist with equal vehemence you hope to succeed in converting david holm by laying on his conscience the burden of remorse have you ever seriously thought whether it might not be our own revenge that we are nursing and hugging to our hearts there is a dangerous snare in that sister mary it is so easy to make a blunder the pale-faced sister gazed on the man with eyes beaming with the rapture of self-denial which said plainly enough to-night i am not seeding aught of my own the salvationist turned red tried to reply but the words failed him the next moment he flung himself down by the table hid his face in his hands and overcome by long-pent sorrow began to weep the sister did not disturb him but over her lips welled a prayer o oh lord god jesus christ let us get through this miserable night grant me strength to help all my friends i who am the weakest and understand least 
the prisoner scarcely paid any attention to the charge of having infected sister edith but he started when the salvationist burst into tears he had made a discovery which affected him strongly and he hardly cared to hide it from the driver it delighted him to realize that the girl whom that good-looking youth had loved preferred himself as the salvationist's sobs became less and less violent the sister stopped praying gustavson you are thinking of what i said a little while ago about sister edith and david holm ah uh, yes was audible between his coat sleeves and at the same time the man's whole body quivered with pain gustavson that causes you much suffering which i can well understand i know another who has loved sister edith with all his soul she herself remarked it and said that she could not understand it she meant that if she were to care very much about a man it would be one who stood higher than herself and you think so too gustavson we can i suppose give our lives to help the wretched but our purely human loves we cannot give to any one of them when i tell you that sister edith's love is given elsewhere it wounds you the salvationist did not move but lay with his head against the surface of the table the invisible figure on the other hand made an attempt to get nearer as if to hear better but he was immediately ordered by the driver to keep quiet if you move david i shall have to punish you in a way you have never dreamt of he said and david holm who now realized that the driver kept his word and had strange powers remained perfectly still hallelujah shouted the slum sister with an excited expression on her countenance hallelujah who are we that we should judge her have you not observed that when a heart is filled with pride it bestows its love on one of the great and mighty of this world but when a heart is void of all but meekness and charity to whom can it give its fondest love but to one who is greatest in cruelty and degradation and has gone the farthest astray david holm felt a prick of annoyance at these words you are very strange to-night he thought to himself why bother yourself about what those people say of you did you expect that they would value you very highly the salvationist lifted up his head and looked as if he were putting to her a question it is not merely that sister mary yes gustavson i understand what you mean but you must bear in mind that sister edith did not know at the beginning that david holm was a married man and she continued after a slight hesitation anyhow i think it hard to believe otherwise all her love aimed at his conversion if she had seen him standing on the platform confessing that he was saved she would have been happy the salvationist grasped the sister's hand while he watched her lips attentively at her last words he uttered a gasp of relief so it was not the love that i mean he remarked the woman shrugged her shoulders slightly 
and sighed at his obstinacy i have never received any confidence on this point from sister edith she explained it may very well be that i am mistaken if you have not heard anything from sister edith's own lips then in my opinion you are mistaken the young man stated very gravely the ghost crouching by the door grew gloomy he did not like the turn the conversation had now taken gustavsson i don't assert that sister edith felt anything but pity for david holm the first time she saw him and there was no reason either that she should have loved him afterwards at one time he often came across her and he persistently withstood her wives used to come to us and complain that their husbands had been enticed from their work since david holm came to this town and there was an increase of insolence violence and vice wherever we turned among the wretched we experienced it and we fancied that we could always trace it to david holm but sister edith being what she is it was quite natural that this very fact should make her more keen to win him for god's sake he was like a wild beast which she pursued with powerful weapons the more the animal turned against her the more daughterly she attacked it confident that it in the long run she would come off victorious because it was she who was the stronger of the two hallelujah shouted her companion so she was too sister mary do you remember that you and sister edith went one evening to a public house and walked round distributing notices of the new slum refuge on that occasion sister edith saw david holm sitting at a table in company with a young man who was listening to the fellow's jokes at the slum sisters and joined in his laughter sister edith noticed that young man and her heart was touched for him she whispered a few words to him about not letting himself be ruined the young man did not answer her nor did he follow her immediately but he could not force a smile though he stayed in the same company and filled his glass he could not put it to his lips david holm and the others laughed at him and said that he had been frightened by the sister but that was not the case sister mary far from it it was her compassion that she could not help warning him which touched the young man and won him so that he must needs leave the others and follow her you know this is a fact sister mary and you know also who the young man was amen amen it is true that i know who the man is who from that day became our best friend replied the sister with a kindly nod to the salvationist i don't deny that sister edith got the better of david holm on that occasion but much more often she was worsted she caught a chill that new year's eve and she was always struggling with a cough that she could not get rid of which she has not got rid of even to this very day the despondency of sickness preyed on her and that maybe was the cause of her not fighting with her usual success sister mary interrupted the salvationist there is nothing in what you say that indicates that she was in love with him no gustavsson you are right nothing indicated it at the beginning 
i will tell you what made me think so we knew a poor sempstress who had consumption but who struggled against her disease and above all fought with a superhuman courage against spreading the infection she had one child whom she wanted to save from contagion she told us that one day when she was seized with coughing in the street a tramp went straight up and abused her for the precautions she was taking i also have consumption he said and the doctor wants me to be cautious but not i i cough right into people's faces because i hope they will catch it and go to kingdom come why should they be better off than we that's what i should like to know he said nothing else but the semstress was so frightened by him that she felt ill the whole day she described him as tall and of good appearance though he was clothed in wretched rags his face was indistinct to her but for hours at the stretch she could see before her his eyes which were like two fierce yellow gleams between swollen eyelids what frightened her most was that he seemed neither drunk nor an utter wreck but nevertheless spoke as he did and cherished such bitter hatred towards his fellow-creatures it was no wonder that sister edith recognized david holm at once by this description but what astonishes me is that she took up the cudgels for him she tried to make the woman believe that he was only amusing himself by scaring her it's quite out of the question that so strong a man as he should be in any way tuberculous she maintained i think he is quite wicked enough to enjoy frightening you but he is not depraved enough to infect people out of sheer malice even if he were consumptive he is certainly not such a monster we others contested this point we believed that he was quite as bad as he had painted himself but she defended him all the more warmly and she was almost angry with us for thinking so badly of him for the second time the driver showed signs that he was observing what was going on around him he bent down and looked into his companion's eyes i believe the slum sister is right david she who could refuse to credit everything evil of you must certainly have been very fond of you indeed it may be gustafsson that all that means nothing continued the sister and what i noticed two days afterwards even less it happened one evening when sister edith returned home dejected she was in low spirits at the woes that had befallen her charges that david holm came up and began talking to her all he wanted was to tell her he said in his sneering way that she would have a better and quieter time now because he was going right away from the town i expected that sister edith would have been glad at this news but i perceived from her answer that she was unhappy about it she told him straight out that she would prefer his staying so that she might strive with him for some time longer he said that he was sorry for this but that he could not stay however because he was on a journey through sweden in search of a person whom he absolutely must find there would be no peace and quiet for him 
until he had found that person you must know gustason that sister edith inquired with such evident anxiety as to who this person was that i was nearly whispering to her to be careful not to give herself away to such a callous brute he did not notice it however but simply replied that if he found the person in question she should be informed of it he hoped that she would be delighted that he need no longer tramp the wide wide world as a poor vagabond with this he departed and he may have kept his word for we saw nothing further of him i hoped we should never have anything to do with him again for he always seemed to me to bring bad luck wherever he appeared one day however it so happened that a woman came up to sister edith at the refuge and inquired for david holm she stated that she was holm's wife and had thrown him over not being able to stand his drunkenness and bad habits she had stolen away secretly and taken her children with her and come to our town which lay far from their former home and it had never entered his head to make any serious attempt to find her there she had now got work in a factory and was so well paid that she could support herself and her children she was a well-dressed woman who commanded confidence and respect she was a sort of superintendent of the factory girls and had earned such good money that she was able to provide herself with a comfortable home and a sufficiency of furniture and household utensils formerly while she was still living with her husband she had not possessed enough to feed herself and the children she had now learnt that her husband had been seen in the town that the slum sisters knew him and she had called on us to find out how he was going on gustavsson had you been present then and heard and seen sister edith you would never have forgotten it when the woman came and told us who she was sister edith turned pale and looked as if she had been stricken with mortal grief but she quickly pulled herself together and then a heavenly light shone in her eyes it seemed as if she had gained a complete victory over herself and cared nothing for her own part about earthly things and i must tell you she spoke so beautifully to holm's wife that she moved the woman to tears she never uttered a word of reproach to her yet she made her repent having deserted her husband i believe she even got the woman to regard herself as a monster of harshness what is more gustavsson sister edith contrived to revive the old love the youthful love that the woman had felt for her husband when they were first married she induced the wife to tell her about what sort of man he had been during their early married days and she got her to long for her husband you must not think gustavsson that she concealed what he was now but she inspired the other woman with the same ardent desire to reform david holm that she herself felt the driver by the door again stooped forward and observed his prisoner but this time he rose without uttering a word 
something dark and horrible had gathered round his former friend which he felt that he could not endure he stretched himself at full length against the wall and drew his cowl well over his eyes to escape seeing him certainly the wife already felt the germ of remorse for abandoning her husband to his wickedness and evil ways the sister went on it was whilst talking with sister edith that she received this new feeling on this first occasion however there was no question about her duty to let the man know her address but that was decided at the next long conversation and gustafsson i won't insinuate that sister edith talked her over or gave her much hope but i do know that she wanted the wife to invite him to her home she thought that such an action might rescue him and she did not dissuade the woman from it i must say that that was sister edith's work and that it came off i must say that it was she who united the man with those it was in his power to ruin i have thought and wondered a good deal about that and i do not understand how she dare venture to take on herself so grave a responsibility unless she had loved him the woman uttered these words in a tone of strong conviction but the two who had been excited when she told of the sick sister's love now kept still the salvationist sat motionless his hands over his eyes and the figure prostrate at the door resumed the expression of black hatred which he bore when he first had been dragged into the room no one of us knew where david holm had wandered to continued the woman but sister edith sent him word by some tramps that we could give him information about his wife and children and it was not long before he came sister edith brought him and his wife together after she had seen to his being decently clothed and had found him a job with some builders in the town she exacted no promise or undertakings being aware that nobody can bind men of his sort by promises but as a good husbandman she wanted to plant in good new soil the seed that had sprouted up amid thorns and she was certain that she would succeed who knows if sister edith might not have been successful if a great misfortune had not happened to begin with sister edith was attacked by inflammation of the lungs and when that was subdued and we were hoping for a speedy convalescence she languished instead and we had to send her to a sanatorium i need not tell you how david holm behaved to his wife that you know as well as we do the only person we have tried to keep in ignorance is sister edith herself because we wanted to spare her feelings we hoped that she would die without hearing of it but now i am not so sure i think that she knows all how could she have found out the curious spiritual tie that unites her to david holm is so strong that i believe she may have gained information what concerns him by other than the usual ways 
and it is just because she knows all that she has been anxious the whole day to speak to him she has brought endless misery on his wife and children and she has but a few short hours in which to put things straight and we are so helpless that we cannot assist her even by bringing him here but what good would it do demanded the salvationist obstinately she can't talk to him she is far too weak i can talk to him in her name replied the sister confidently he would listen to my words if i spoke to him beside a deathbed what would you say to him sister mary would you tell him that she loved him the sister got up clasped her hands across her breast and stood with upturned face and closed eyes oh lord god she prayed grant that david holm comes here before sister edith dies dear god vouchsafe that he may see her love and that the fire of her love may melt his soul o oh god was not that love sent to her to melt his heart good god make me brave so that i may not think of sparing her but dare to lay low his soul in the flame of her love o oh god let him feel it as a gentle breeze through his soul as a breath from an angel's wing as the red gleam that is kindled at dawn in the east and drives away the darkness of night let him not think that i would have vengeance on him but make him understand that sister edith has loved the very soul in him that which he himself has tried to choke and kill dear god the slum sister started and looked up the salvationist was putting on his coat once more i will go after him sister mary he said with a certain huskiness in his voice i will not come back without him but the prone figure by the door turned to the driver and addressed him haven't we had enough on this george when i first came here there was something that gripped me in what they talked about in that way you might perhaps have softened me but you should have warned them they should have avoided talking about my wife the driver did not answer but with a slight gesture pointed towards the room a little old woman had entered through the hidden door farthest away in the anteroom she walked with silent steps to the couple who had been carrying on the long conversation and spoke in a voice that quavered with the importance of the tidings she was about to announce she will not be here much longer soon she will fly hither it will be over quickly now End of chapter 4 Read by Lars Rolander